life ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who have been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Michelle Slaney Travato here on the Living Your Legacy podcast. And as always, I love bringing inspiring people to the audience so that we can all hear from people who are both legacy makers and professionals who support them. And the woman that we're talking to today is actually both. She is creating her own legacy and she is there to help support people who want to create theirs. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Serena Talbot is the founder of the Mindset Transformation Company. Doesn't that just sound amazing? And the creator of the Kick-Ass Life Program. I totally want to know more about that. She works with people that want to get to the next level in life, to be able to heal their past, master mindset and emotions, and trust their intuition so that they can have that kick-ass life they're looking for and do the thing they are here on the planet to do. See, are you not already inspired? She has four teenage girls right there. She's my hero a very patient husband of 20 years, and she loves being in the outdoors, hiking, mountain biking, and camping in a sprinter van. So I need to know what that is. Welcome, Serena. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. All right. So let's start with what is a sprinter van? It's a uh... People, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term, there's like hashtag van life. If you look it up, people live out of their vans. So a sprinter van is just a type of van that people do that with. And so in our area, it, it's funny because my husband actually started about a year ago. Um, he was a home builder and about a year ago he got hired and he gets to build those out now. Um, and people take a van and sometimes they're passenger vans or sometimes they're like a work truck. So picture a UPS truck. Those are usually mm -hmm. um, sprinter vans and they make them into campers and live out of them. So we started off, I'm trying to think like six years ago and my husband used it for work. So he didn't have all his tools in it. And then if we ever wanted to camp, take all the tools out and like stick an air mattress in it. And then we would camp in the van with like bare metal walls. And since then, now we have a sink and solar panels and beds and shelves and like all this kind of stuff. So, um, but it's, it's a little bit of a, I don't know, I don't want to say like a culture, but there's a group of people that we hang out with in our area that do it. Um, and it's really fun. So. Cool. Uh, do you take all four girls in there with you? 
That's a really great question. The answer is no, we take two. So my oldest, she actually turned 20 and lives in Florida, which is like 20 hours away from us because we're in Wisconsin. And my, and, and so obviously she doesn't, and my 18 year old would rather relax on her weekends than be in a van with mom and dad. So she, she does She's other things. She hangs yeah. out with her boyfriend. Totally. <laughs> and She's so, 18. yeah. And my 16, my 14 year old always comes for the most part. And then my 16 year old most of the time does and really enjoys it. And, yeah. you know, um, enjoys camping and all of that kind of stuff. But as she gets older, probably won't. So it's a little cramped, uh, but it, we make it work and everybody gets a bed. And so it's fun. And it, it's, it's the kind of thing that you are spending most of your time outside. I think, mm. you know, it's mostly for sleeping. So well, that's just amazing. And thank you for sharing that. I totally learned something new today. I didn't know there was a hashtag van life life. And I was not aware of what a sprinter van was. So right out of the gate, I've learned something new, which is awesome. So Serena, I want to talk to you um, a little bit about what you do and about your kick-ass life program. But before we do that, I have learned that there's always a story that someone has about how they got to where they are. So when I looked at your bio, I thought that looks really cool. But when kids are in grade four and the teacher says, what do you want to be when you grow up? They generally don't say, I'd like to be a mindset transformation or rapid transformational therapy coach. That's not something they share. So how did you get to this place in your life? How'd you get to being in this profession? I love, I love that you phrase it that way. And I've never had anybody like put it in that context because when I found out about rapid transformational therapy, you know, it was just a few years ago, the woman who created it has been doing it 30 years, but just brought it to the U S she's from England, Marissa Peer created rapid transformational therapy and just offered it. Um, I think she started like 10 years ago. And when I got trained, I said to her, like, thank you for this. Like, this is what I was supposed to do when I grew up, but I didn't know it existed. Like I had that conversation oh, with her. So, cool. so I think it's really funny that you said that because never in a gazillion years would I ever think that I was doing this work because the rapid transformational therapy includes hypnotherapy. And if you had asked me 10 years ago, if I would be doing that, I would be very confident in saying absolutely no way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the way that I came across it um, was having it, I think like a lot of business owners, um, and a lot of coaches having this method and, um, technique and experience helped me. Uh, so for me, it was growing up with some trauma and my dad being abusive and an alcoholic. And my mom was very brave and amazing and left him when we were six. And then just growing up really poor. She had been a professional ballerina, which you can't do with four kids. Mm -hmm. And back in those days, she didn't get any money when they got divorced. And so, um, you know, she, she did, she worked a lot. Um, but there, you know, there were just four little kids. So that experience, um, in, in my head, I just thought when I graduated high school, like, cool, that's all done. Never have to think about any of that stuff ever, ever again. And don't we all do that? (laughs) Right. Like, like, cool. Uh, and then in my 
later around 27, I started a business. I started a nonprofit and I ran that for five years. And in that process, like I really believe all business does and life does is it brought up things asking to heal. But because I didn't know that whenever anything would come up, I would be triggered. We were dealing with, it was a homeless shelter. So we were dealing with women in poverty who would experience trauma. And so I would be triggered like about my childhood and my stuff. And it was an invitation to heal, but I didn't know that. So I shoved it down. So things would come up and I'd shove them down. And I also had this need because of the things I had experienced in my past to feel valuable and like I was worth something. And so I was using the business to try to get that. And so it was just this constant, you know, chasing and needing to be perfect and saying yes to everybody and doing everything myself. And I, I burned myself out in that process and toward the end and really at the end closed in the summer of 2012, kind of a realization like, okay, I've been operating in this way that isn't working for five years and there has to be a different way. And I guess I need to look at my past, <laughs> which was the last thing I ever wanted to do. But when it closed, I, I finally kind of said, uncle, like, okay, like this, this hasn't worked. Maybe I need help. And so then I started in 2012 learning about you know, why I was doing the things I was doing, learning about never being able to say no, learning about people pleasing, learning about my, my past and like understanding that even though I didn't want it to be, and even though I thought it was a long time ago, it was still affecting me every single day. And even though, you know, I was really little when my dad hurt me and abused me and I'm like, well, that shouldn't matter. That was so long ago that it really was, and it was an issue um, and in that process, getting a lot of data, getting a lot of understanding, getting a lot of like, oh, okay, this happens. So that's why I behave this way. Mm -hmm. But what I really wanted to was to behave differently. <laughs> I really wanted to just be like, okay, cool. Like, yep, I know why I messed up, but like, how do I get unmessed up? Uh huh. And in that, knowing that there, I, I found out and I learned about, and I bumped into like neuroplasticity, the idea that our brains can change and also the idea of the conscious and the subconscious so that we can know all these things consciously, like I'm valuable and I'm good and people like me, but subconsciously we can hold on to things that are in exact opposition to that. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, when, and, and also understanding that part, the subconscious part, was programmed and set in place before we were 10, a lot of times before we were seven and, and going, Oh, okay. Well, that wasn't a great time in my life. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Now what do I do? Like, are you, are you just stuck? But because I was learning about neuroplasticity and your subconscious learning that you can change things on that level and having someone explain the science was really powerful. And then understanding like, Oh, when you are in hypnotherapy, you're at the level of the problem. You're at the root of the problem. You're in the subconscious. And also that's not this like spooky place where someone's in control of you and you don't remember anything. Mm -hmm. It's just a calm, relaxed state. Um, so after researching and, and learning more about that, and that really made sense to me, like, okay, I've been like working really hard for years to change behaviors and I haven't gotten anywhere mm -hmm. that made sense. Like there's something at the root. And if I can get to the root, I can change things. 
um, and finding out like the belief there. So then I had this session with someone who did this rapid transformational therapy. And I, and I not only understood it kind of scientifically in my head, I experienced it mm-hmm. and it shifted and changed my life profoundly in just, in just one session. And I know that's like a big, <laughs> that's a big thing to say, mm-hmm. but it, but it did because it, I could finally look at the root of what was going on and switch the belief, right? Not just understand what the belief was, but actually change it. That I wasn't feeling worthless anymore, that I knew that I was valuable, but not just in my head, like subconsciously, I knew I was valuable. And people know people around me noticed a change within a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I noticed a huge change immediately, but then really profoundly within three weeks. And I was like, this, my kids were getting older and I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do when I grow up. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got into it was having it work for me. And the idea that like, when we want to change, when you want to leave a legacy, when you want to accomplish goals that you don't know how to do right now, like we don't have forever. We need something quick, you know, and that was what I love about it is rapid transformational. It doesn't mean it fixes everything instantly, you know, and and I do coaching with it. Like this isn't like a quick fix, but it's a can fix. And I think that's really powerful for people that think I've been trying everything and nothing's been working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super important. I want to circle back to something. There's a whole lot you said there that I'd love to circle back to. But one thing in particular is around neural plasticity. Now I know you're not a scientist, but can you give us sort of the layperson's version of what that means? Because I think that's really important for people who are looking ahead. Because if you're thinking about creating a legacy, if you've ever tried to create a legacy, you know the bigger the vision and the dream and the goal, the bigger the obstacles. So neuroplasticity is so important in being able to handle all of that that's in front of you. So can you just explain that a little, what that is, how that affects people? Yeah, there's there's a couple of different analogies, but the, the first is like the main thing that, so people have been able to take x-rays for a long time. And that's important because when we can like scientifically have instruments to study our bodies, we know how they work. Mm-hmm. Being able to study how our brains work is newer in the Mm -hmm. last 25 or 30 years. So we're getting a lot of understanding. So an old thought before we could look at our brains, like as we're actually thinking things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Was that we were like wet cement, like however you were trained when you were little, it was wet cement and then it hardened and then you could never change it, right? right? It was just set in place forever. And if you grew up in a really angry household and you were angry. Well, you're just an angry person because that's how you grew up. Mm -hmm. So what scientists started discovering in the last 25 or 30 years is that people could grow up in a really angry household. And yes, they would have tendencies toward anger, but then they found that there were different things that people were doing where they could change those patterns and actually change the neural pathways in the brains, like highways of thinking right in the brain those patterns that we all have, you just react in anger before you even think about it, Mm -hmm. right? Before you consciously are even aware, you're just angry. 
And they were seeing that there were different things people could do to change that so that they could actually react and respond differently. And so in the case of anger, right, they could not get angry. They could go through an experience and have peace about it or stay calm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how it relates to legacy is all of those things. Like I said, those patterns of, of where we are, are set in place before age 10, but they're not concrete and plastic. Mm -hmm. They're bendable. And so if we grew up and like, you know, for me had an environment that before age six was, was scary. And now my heart and my vision is to leave a legacy. Those things don't add up Mm -hmm. because if I'm going to leave a legacy, I can't be scared of people. I can't just trust everybody. Mm -hmm. I need to have people on my team. I need Mm -hmm. to communicate. I need to be free to be vulnerable and share what I'm thinking. And those are two ways of operating that neuroplasticity is just fantastic because I can change the way I think and change the way I interact with people to be in alignment with creating this legacy and believing things are going to work out, not that the rug is going to be ripped out from under me and believe that people have my best interest in heart. Not everybody, but the, you know, you're, you don't become naive, but you can trust people who actually do care about you and they are in your corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we grow up without that, you know, that's, that's something we don't have. So anything I now understand, I'm not perfect, but anything that isn't working in my life, there's so much hope and possibility is I can go, okay, I can learn that. I can change that. I can learn that. Mm-hmm. And that's what neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity, you know, allows us to do. I love the last few things you just said. I can do that. I can learn that. I have hope. Yeah. Um, those are such profound words, particularly if you've got this great big vision that won't leave you alone. Yes. And you know you have to do something bigger than you, who you are in this moment, in this time, that you need to have hope. You need to have the belief I can change, I can stretch and grow, I can learn this. And you have to, you know, really understand that what happened in my past does not have to define my future, that I have some element of control here, and I can exercise it. I love those things. I think that's so incredible and profound because so many times we do this to ourselves where we hear something or we think something like, oh my gosh, you know, someone should really do something about that. And then the thought might be, well, that should be me followed almost immediately by the thought that says, oh, but I can't. Yes. Right. And because in that, you know, and then our brain comes up with a gazillion reasons why you can't. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, so this process is is really um, giving you the ability to have knowledge that helps you say that you can. And also understanding it's really normal for our brains to want to talk us out of things. That's also how our brains work, right? Um, but being like, yes, there's, I can, I can learn this. I can make this familiar, you know, Mm -hmm. and see it. And that's why everybody, whoever has a vision, right. It's called a vision. You're seeing it, you know, like it's really powerful to see it and to think about it and to, and to make it familiar. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's so many things that we do. I had one client, you know, say that this process unhypnotizes you. 
because so many times we, we have that like, Oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, that would never work. And we have our brain will be like, because remember that time you did that thing and that didn't work, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it's just really moving in a direction of possibility, which I think the people, you know, that are listening do that. And Mm. that's what I love so much is they are creating a legacy and, understand this concept. So this is just taking it, you know, to another level. Mm -hmm. I love connecting with people who live in the realm of possibility. What is possible now? Lots of times, you know, it's possible to be a doctor. That won't be me. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Right. But I have such respect for the people who live in that world, in that place of possible and neuroplasticity and what you're doing tells us that we can live in that place. And who doesn't want to live in that place? I mean, really, it's such an optimistic, fun, joyful place. It's a place of being scared, but it's that, you know, when you were graduating high school and it was that I'm really excited because I'm not coming back here, but at the same time, I'm terrified because I'm not coming back here. That feeling, that juxtaposition of a little bit of fear with a whole lot of excitement is where those people live. It's not that people don't feel nervous or don't think, they don't stop thinking the thoughts, well, maybe I can't do that, but they're more aware of those thoughts so that they can address them. Like, why am I saying that to myself? Or you know, okay, so I can't do that today. It doesn't mean I'll never be able to do that because that thing I did in the past didn't work out. It means that maybe I need to go learn something or I need to talk to somebody or I need to surround myself with people who are doing these things so that I can, you know, be better because I'm surrounding myself with better people who have more knowledge, that kind of stuff. I love that. So how has doing this process of rapid transformational therapy and choosing to do it as a profession, as a business, how has that changed you? For me, it's, it's given me the ability. So before, you know, before I had this experience, I, I would, I would never have called myself anxious or anything like that. I was like, Oh, if you're anxious, you have panic attacks all the time, or you, you can't leave your house or things like that. Mm-hmm. But what I realized was that now I, I know it. And I think a lot of people are using that word a lot more, you know, often than it's than the new years ago. Word. It's a new thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But for me, it just never feeling enough and never thinking at the end of the day, I was okay. Like Mm -hmm. I would analyze like everything I said and everything I did and be like, oh my God, I said this thing wrong and I shouldn't have said that and I shouldn't have done that. And just living in this constant state of shouldn't Mm -hmm. and, and whatever I did, it wasn't good enough. And I wasn't good enough and beating myself up in my head. Mm -hmm. That's been the most profound change is being kind in my head. And, And there were some people around me that didn't even know they're like, Oh, you look like you have it all together. Cause I was Uh doing a lot of stuff. Right. But in my head, it was not a fun place to be. And I couldn't sit still or be quiet because it would just get so loud and it was mean in there, you know? Mm -hmm. And now I know, and I was actually thinking about this today, like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I think it takes work 
to get to that place where you can mm-hmm. say, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. doesn't mean I want to stay here forever, still have goals, visions, things I want to accomplish, mm-hmm. but I'm okay right now. And at the end of this day, I can celebrate things that are going well. I can be grateful for things that are good in my life. I can mm-hmm. be present with my kids. And obviously I don't do this all the time. Like I don't want to paint a picture of perfection because like, I definitely yell and get frustrated and cry and those Mm -hmm. things, but like the general set point is so different now in a way that again, I, the, the old way was such a pattern. I didn't even know this could exist. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that's, that's powerful about the neuroplasticity is we can, we can have this way of thinking that wasn't even available to us before. Wow. Again, so many profound things. Um, I'm going to highlight a couple of them. One, I want to talk a little more around anxiety, because I think there are very specific cases and people with a diagnosis of anxiety. And that is a very distinct thing. But I think in the last few years with the things that have gone on in the world and the pandemic and and things along those lines, that it's become a kind of a buzzword. Um, You know, oh, I feel anxious, therefore I can't. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I just want to sort of maybe dispel a bit of myth around that, because, you know, I have two children with diagnosis of anxiety. And the thought process that they go through and how that affects them is profound and heartbreaking. As you said, there was a mean girl living in your head and Mm -hmm. she was awful to you, (laughs) right? And Mm -hmm. uh, my children have some mean guys that can live in their head. So there's definitely that. But I think that the term anxiety and feeling a little bit anxious about things is not a bad thing or an unusual thing. Like you said, people still have bad days, they lose their temper, they feel nervous, maybe nervous is a better word than anxiety, although it can present as a little bit of anxiety. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that. Because unless it's a diagnosed issue, and that would require professional support on that end of things, um, it's become a bit of an excuse. Yeah, this is a really um, powerful, I think a powerful conversation right now. And so there's a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an, yeah, it's an excuse when, so there's a, if you imagine a pendulum or a spectrum, right, of, and there's also, so the way I describe it to my clients is like you have a, you're lifting a weight. Mm -hmm. So stressful situations in life are like a weight. And if you don't have any muscle to lift them, even a little weight is going to feel overwhelming. Yep. So that's, that can be from our past experience of trauma. When we're little, we have this big, heavy thing happen to us and we're too, we're little and we weren't given the resources or the support to deal with it. So it feels really big. Mm-hmm. And so we can carry that belief into our adulthood that mm-hmm. when scary things happen or stressful things happen, 
even though as an adult, we can deal with it, we've carried the belief that we can't. Mm -hmm. So that's when it becomes something that's limiting. It's not true because Mm -hmm. an adult, because as an adult, you have that capability. Mm -hmm. So it's called psychologically, it's called your window of tolerance that you build your window of tolerance to handle uncertainty, to handle stress, to handle new things and the, and the possibility of failure. And everybody who wants to create a legacy needs to build that muscle to handle uncomfortable situations. Sure do. And I think a big thing in our culture is that we have an expectation that if we do everything right, if I listen to my intuition, if I pray enough, I'll never have a stressful situation because it'll all be like, it'll all flow for me, right? (laughs) And so that shrinks your window of tolerance because then if anything bad, uncomfortable, uncertain, or scary happens, you think I did something wrong. Right. And so you think, oh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I must have, should have, could have, would have done something else. Mm -hmm. So those are the two biggest things I see is we have a false belief that if I do everything right, if I'm spiritual enough, if I am in alignment enough, I see that in, you know, in the, in kind of that community of people, you know, we, we get a vision and it's get we get a download, like I'm going to do this thing. And then we get this crazy expectation Mm-hmm. That because we were given the vision, everything's going to work out perfectly. Yep. Um, and there's actually a, a couple of psychologists made, um, it, it's called the, um, I'm going to forget the name of it, but there's an actual graph and a chart that's the um, emotional cycle of change. And we oh. start off with a vision and then we, it, so it's the term for it and you know, maybe you can edit this out if it's off base, but like, so there's, there's the emotional cycle of change and you get a vision and it's uninformed optimism. Mm -hmm. And then you get informed pessimism. Then you're like, Oh, here's what it's really going to take. take." (laughs) And then you go into the pit, they call Uh it where you really are like, Oh, this is going to take longer and require more of me. And I might fail in this Mm -hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's where people can say, I'm anxious yep, and I want to quit. And, yep. and like you're saying, then it becomes an excuse. And we go back to safety mm-hmm. of whatever we've been doing before. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to create a legacy, you've got to learn the resilience in that pit. That's where you ask for help. That's where you dig into things. That's where you say, okay, why am I believing this? For me, I always need people to help me in that space. Me too. And then you move out into informed optimism and you're like, okay, I see what this is going to take. I can do this. And if you know, like a neuroplasticity is going to help me mm-hmm. then you move towards success. And that's a learning curve that I don't think enough entre- entrepreneurs talk about enough business people talk about. We don't talk about the pit enough mm-hmm. that there's a, I love Liz Gilbert. I don't know if we can swear on here. says there's a shit sandwich. Like with every dream, <laughs> there's just the shit sandwich. That's just terrible. Mm-hmm. But if you, but if the vision is important enough, you will eat it. <laughs> and that's, you know, so this is where anxiety can be an excuse mm-hmm. and, and a very real feeling that makes us want to go hide under our bed. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. when we build a window of tolerance and know, Oh, okay. I'm just in the pit. Everybody goes through the pit and we talk mm-hmm. about it and mm-hmm. we normalize it. Everybody's scared and nervous and doesn't know what the heck they're doing. Then it, we can more easily move to the other side. 
Those are some inspiring words. <laughs> Honestly, that chart, that graph, I think you're right. We do need to talk about that place where the uninformed optimism gets real yes. because there is no vision. You're right. People think I thought it, I got this vision. It was given to me. It, I downloaded it, whichever way you want to see it. It came from on high, um, whichever way you feel yeah. it came to you that the path forward should be like the most beautifully groomed road, smooth <laughs> and clear. That's and always how right. I make it in my plan. Like yeah. in my three month plan, that's how it looks. That's right. You know, and the sun is shining and the car is the perfect temperature and we're just going to cruise right to victory. But the reality is it's not like that at all. Um, sometimes it's like being lost in the jungle, <laughs> yeah. realizing that you need to like trailblaze and chop through all kinds of stuff and meet incredible animals that can eat you <laughs> and, you know, still survive to the other side. And then redefining anxiety as, oh, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because this anxiety means I'm doing something new, which means mm -hmm. I'm right on the right path to create it's that this thing place where I need to stretch world. and grow. Yeah. It's that place of friction where the, I don't know if I can, you yeah. know, it's the first time you take that turn in the road and it's now not that beautifully paved road. It's a dirt road with a lot of potholes. Yeah. You're like, I don't know if I can drive that. Yeah. So to me, anxiety can be three different things. Okay. You know, like with your son and, and I have sons and then I have a daughter diagnosed. It's, it's thinking that isn't serving us. Correct. It does need to change like yep. mine beating myself in my head. So that's one kind. The, the second kind is that you actually are on the wrong path. You're trying to force your soul to do something it's not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And it's just yelling at you mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're anxious because you're Mind in you the wrong job <laughs> or you're in the wrong relationship or you're not caring for yourself enough. Right. So I don't want to ignore those two things, mm -hmm. but I think I love that you invited this discussion into this third kind which is the right kind, which is mm -hmm. building muscle. We go to the gym and we're sweating and our arms hurt and they're sore and we actually are getting stronger. Mm -hmm. And that's this third kind for anyone creating a legacy that, that you can lean into and, mm -hmm. and almost, you know, celebrate. I never celebrate. I'm always mad at it, but <laughs> someday I would love to just celebrate. The I can celebrate it after the fact, after, exactly. when you're in the middle of it, you're like, Oh, this is awful. Yeah. Yes. I feel yeah. you there completely. I also want to, um, sort of bring, bring forward the part you talked about this, the window, the term you use, the window, the window of, of tolerance. So and I love that it's like a your window capacity. Exactly. Right? It can but, be bigger you know, or smaller. That's right. Yeah. It can start out as a very small window. Yes. But you can grow it. I love yes. that. You can say, okay, this thing I want to do is so much bigger than me than where I'm at now. I feel really nervous. I feel scared. I feel incompetent. I feel all those things. But on the other side of this is what I really want to accomplish. And lots of times legacy makers are accomplishing it, not just for themselves, but for someone else. And that's a huge yes. motivator, right? It's not just about me. It's kind of like going to the gym. I will make 500 reasons why I can't go to the gym. But if I know I'm meeting a friend, they all disappear. 
mm-hmm. right? I, because now that person is expecting me to be there and I don't want to let them down. So I will do it. Same thing with lots of times creating a legacy. I'm doing this for somebody or maybe many other people. I don't want to let them down. So I need to focus forward and I need to go into that pit and I need to learn the skills. I need to exercise those muscles. And you're right. When you're at the gym, it hurts and you feel kind of gross. And the first few times you're there, it is not pleasant afterwards because every you have muscles hurting you didn't even know you had in places you didn't know you had them, right? It's not an, a fun feeling. You're really super tired. Your body is tired. And that voice in your head is telling you, you can't really do this. And But if you keep at it, over time, it gets easier. You suddenly find that that weight you were lifting isn't as heavy. And maybe you need to move up to a heavier weight. And you choose that. Like you choose to do that. To get stronger, to do more. And what you can find as you're doing that is that that window that used to be so small suddenly isn't. You move things into the phase of familiar. So this thing that was scary before, I'm not so scared of that now. And what you notice probably isn't the feeling of fear, it's one day you realize it's the absence. You're like, I don't feel as scared about that anymore. Or now I know what I'm talking about. Or when people are talking to me, I know what they're talking about. And I don't feel so, I don't know, inept. Um, yes. you know, I don't feel those things anymore. Huh? When did that happen? Right? Like you just, you don't notice when it happens, but it kind of happens. And then you can move on to that heavier weight. You can move on because your window is that little bit bigger and you can take that next step forward. I love all this discussion around that because that you're right. This audience, people who are legacy makers, that's the place we live in. Is that the pit? Sometimes we're there for a while, but lots of times it's about talking about that. I had this vision. I thought it was all going to be peaches (laughs) and cream and just so perfect. And then it wasn't. And if you surround yourself with people who have done anything significant in their lives, the heads start nodding because they can relate to that feeling that, oh, yeah, took a turn in the road. And wow, that was not what I thought it was going to be. And now I have to decide, like you said, is this a situation of, this is really not the right path for me. And the voice in my head is screaming at me legitimately need to get off this path, get on another one. Or is this something else? Is it really not that? Is it that I'm the word you used, you shoulded yourself like that is such a judgmental word. And Mm -hmm. we use it on ourselves so many times. I should have said this. I should have done that. Well, that's rear view thinking. That's not looking through the window. That's looking back over your shoulder. So how, what would your advice be to someone who's there, who is in this place, they're in the pit, they're, they're, they're trying to figure this thing out. What would you suggest? Uh, obviously, very broad question because everybody's no, different. I, exactly. So the reason I love having bringing this up and having this conversation is because when you know the pit is normal, 
that alone takes an enormous amount of the shooting and the pressure. And then maybe I'm going in the wrong direction off you when you know, like that's what it's going to be for everybody. The other piece is none of this happens consciously where we're like, Oh, I'm going to lift this weight. And then a new weight will come into my business. It doesn't happen like that. It kind of like whacks you upside the head or you run into a brick wall in your business, or there's this challenge or this new thing you have to learn or new conflict, you know, in relationship. Right. So that's how it shows up. And that's the invitation to grow. It's not there to stop you. It's there for you to grow. So to me, knowing those two things that the pit is part of the process and that life is leading you and challenges are to grow you, not stop you. That's huge. The other piece is our mind loves what's familiar. So get your butt around people who are doing this work, (laughs) like listening to this podcast or getting in a mastermind or becoming part of a group, putting yourself, we've all heard we're the average of the five people we hang around most. Make sure those people are behaving in the way that you want to behave, not like you said, using anxiety as an excuse to go back to safety. Because if you see that, that's what you'll do. And if you see people working through learning, growing mm-hmm. and, and, and becoming like moving into their legacy, that's what you're going to do because you're making it familiar. So that's a huge piece. And then understanding if you've been banging your head against the wall for a little bit, mm-hmm. ask for help. And I also believe life leads us to the help. Mm-hmm. right around the same time we get the problem <laughs> life gives us a solution and it might be a book or something like this podcast or a person or a coach or just an understanding but like always it, the same hope you have your brain can change hope you're going to be led to the way to do that mm-hmm. so those are the Those are the main things. Yep. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, When we started talking about the legacy that we want for our our son and our family, um, what I noticed was the right people started showing up. And it took me having the courage to just say, this is what we're thinking about doing. We have no idea how we're going to get there. I clearly have lots to learn. And, but here's what we're thinking. And the more I talked about it, the more several things happened. Um, opportunities presented themselves for me to learn and grow um, in the areas that I needed to learn and grow. Yes. The next thing was the right people started showing up. Those five people I want to be like, there's more like a hundred. Um, and you're one of them. Um, <laughs> Right. These people that I I needed to know in my life showed up. Right. And they still do. Um, And I meant to learn things from them and I meant to experience their perspective on the world. And so many times the things they say give me those aha moments where I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. I need to factor that into what I'm doing. Um, But also that the the support the support that I needed started showing up too. And not always in ways that I thought it was going to. Again, it wasn't the yeah. pretty flowers on the side of my perfect road that I saw. Sometimes it was the thorny bush. It's a little right? sacrilegious, but I but I say that God baits and switches us. Like we get a bait and switch. Like mm-hmm. here's what you think it's going to be. Yep. And you would never do it. If it was, if you knew what it was really going to be, so you get a bait and switch, but at the end, it is what you want. Right. So 
Yeah, that's pretty funny. I like I like that turn of phrase. That's a good one. And again, recognizing that that feeling of being hopeful but scared is normal. Yeah. That feeling of feeling I don't know what I'm doing here is really normal and if more people were honest about it, they would say that. I think in small group situations and when someone else expresses vulnerability, people do share, but it's not a very commonly known thing. You're right. I wish more people did because it's inspiring to someone who's just starting. When you're looking at someone who's already done it or is super successful or famous, we just see the end result. We don't necessarily see the journey or the beginning that place where they, where, where the pet, you know, the pedal meets the metal, right? Like mm-hmm. where you're like, or the rubber meets the road, I should say, um, where all of a sudden that everything becomes real and mm-hmm. real isn't always fun. It's not always sunshine and flowers, right? It's crap. I got a flat tire and I'm nowhere near getting help. Now what do I do? Right. Um, or, uh, you know, there's no jack in my car. Who took the jack? <laughs> <laughs> when you live in families, this happens lots. Oh, that's so funny. Right? You know, you're you're all of a sudden it's like so real and you have to decide am I going to run and hide or am I going to like lift that heavy weight? Am I going to look through this window? Am I going to say what about me? Do I need to stretch and grow to be able to accomplish this? Mm-hmm. What about me do I need to address so that I can move forward? How do I get me into that place where, you know, the flow, my gosh, people talked about being in flow forever. And I thought they were crazy. Like, what is that? I'm living in the whitewater rapids of the world here. <laughs> like flow, what is flow? Um, you know, and people think that it's just magically going to happen. And we're, mm-hmm. we're going to have this awesome, idyllic experience. Experience. And yeah, then we get stuck in the white water. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's flat. Any metaphor you want to choose. Um, and so these conversations, I think, are so inspiring to me because on the days when it's hard, I'll think back to the things that you said here today. And I will remember that. And it's going to help me get through. Like, what am I thinking in my head that's stopping me? How can I address that? And if I can't do it on my own, who can I talk to that's going to help me address that in a way that I can continue to move forward? I love that. And I love how your transformational therapy really helped you and it can help other people too. If that is the help that they, maybe they're thinking there is something in my past, maybe she's onto something here, maybe something there is holding me back and I have never really thought about it because like you said, push it down, push it away. Like I am so done with that. Don't want to deal with it uh, because it's scary and hurtful and it opens up all kinds of very raw and not pretty feelings. And maybe though this conversation has led someone to think, hmm, maybe I need to do that. So if that was the case, um, how could people find you? How can they connect with you? 
And I'm going to back up real quick because I think when we, the, the beautiful thing about building your window of tolerance and like your, your muscle to handle stressful situations or change or uncertainty is that it brings more peace into your life. Like the, the point is that when you can handle that stressful situation and you go, Oh, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. This is normal. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out and get resources. And who can I ask that brings peace. Mm -hmm. And ironically, the more we can be open to the challenge, the more flow we get to have. And yeah, if it is something that's one of those other kinds of anxiety, where it's like a, a past pattern, that's just beating yourself up like I had, or you need help because you're like, I don't exactly know if I, I'm on the right place in, in the right place. You know, that's, um, that's where working with me or someone like me can be really helpful. So main thing about me is if you can spell my name, you can find me anywhere. <laughs> so my name is Serena, but it's C-Y-R-I-N-A Talbot, T-A-L-B-O-T-T dot com, Serena Talbot dot com, Serena Talbot on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. So um, if somebody wants to reach out, um, you know, those wherever you are, I am, if you if you remember C-Y-R-I-N-A, then we're good. That's amazing. So now I want to circle back to the very beginning when I talked yes. about your kick ass life program, because we've been kind of heading in this direction um, in our conversation. What is that? So the, the way that I work with people is, you know, I've been talking about this hypnotherapy and this rapid transformational therapy, and that's really the, the first piece mm -hmm. uh, when I work with people, because it's like, okay, we need to get to the root. Like, what's the problem? Let's get to the root of that and shift that. And then the kick-ass life and the coaching that I do is then what? Because if we get our thinking in alignment and I know I'm valuable and I'm worthy and I'm enough and I'm meant to do this vision and I can do this vision then that requires us, if we've been saying yes too much to people in too many ways, maybe we're going to start saying no. Or if we've been doing too many things, okay, we're going to take things off our plate. Or if we have not been trusting our intuition and our intuition is saying, actually, no, go over here. And now we're going to trust it. Now we're going to make those decisions. That's where I walk with people in the, in the coaching and creating a kick-ass life to me is not like, you know, the biggest, best, loudest. It's where am I supposed to be in my life with my, in every area, right? Not just business, but family, relationships, health, like a kick-ass life is looking at everything and saying, okay, what am I supposed to be doing with this life that I have? on the planet and really trusting that instead of comparing it to everybody else. And, you know, we have this freedom right now, so many possibilities to do whatever we want, do any job and we can live any place, but it's also then like, okay, well, which is the right one mm -hmm. for me? And, and a kick-ass life is when I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm working the way I'm supposed to be. We also have options to work any way we want, you know, and have a schedule we want. So really walking that out and creating that, that works in every area of your life. And it looks different for each person, but mm -hmm. trusting it. I love that. And I'm sure there's a measure of redefining success mm -hmm. because success has traditionally been associated with money and things, houses, cars, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But 
if we tip that right on its head and we redefine what success looks like as an individual, maybe it is that I am working less. So I am more present for my family because, you know, I actually like them and I want to be around them more. Or maybe it is I want to be a global uh, person. I want to live my life globally. So I want to be able to work wherever in the world I am because I want to go experience the world. Or maybe it's, I have this vision of something that I want to create so that somebody else has an easier time of this thing than I had. And I want to be able to do that in a way that's meaningful to me, to them. I want to gift them an easier experience or time than I had. I want to be able to do that. I want to create that kind of a legacy. So I need to be able to create the life that I want around that. So I love that it's redefining all those things so that people can choose their success. Like, what is it? There is no one definition anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's the idea of getting the things out of the way that are stopping you with your mindset or past healing that needs to happen. And then getting to decide with that cleared out, like what is, yeah, what does that look like for you? And it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to look like anybody else. I think that's the most important thing. I agree. And I think the more, the more our paths are different the richer we all become in our friendships, in the amazing people we surround ourselves with, in what we can offer and give back to our families and communities, right? I think there's so many riches there that the traditional definition of success doesn't encompass. So that's amazing. Now, if people want to reach out to chat with you, which I absolutely think they should because you are awesome, um, is there, is there like there a best way for them to find you or you check all those social media things regularly? I definitely don't, but do you? Um, SerenaTalbot.com is my website and then Facebook. Um, I check probably a little more than Instagram. Yeah. Okay. That's perfect. And if somebody wants to chat with you about transformational therapy or the kick-ass life program or both, that's all good. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there's a um, way to connect. You can just send me a message or on the website, there's a way to connect. And I would love to chat more. I would love to um, talk to anybody who's interested. Yeah. That's super fantastic. I love that. I also love that our conversation started out one way today and ended up a completely different path, which I (laughs) love because there were so many meaty things in there to kind of get into and address and look at. One of the things that I truly value about you and the work that you've done on yourself is how hopeful everything you said today circled around hope. Um, every word, um, all the words that you chose, all the ways that you were looking at things and explaining things circled around the idea of hope and possibility, which is why you're one of the people that I adore being around as people who believe in hope and possibility and live in that place. That's where I want to be. That's the, that's the pool I want to go swimming in. Um, right. That's the people that I want to be surrounded by because that's where the magic happens. Right. It isn't about not having the difficulties. It's about living in hope that you'll figure it out, that you 
can ha- you can figure it out within you. You can learn, but you can also surround yourself with the kinds of people who can help you figure it out and give you the advice that you need. And that investment in yourself is so worth taking because again, nobody has ever on their deathbed said, I wish I didn't help myself. Nobody's ever said, I wish I didn't invest in, you know, my, myself and developing me and making me better and stronger. Nobody's ever said that. They've said the quite the opposite. I wish I had, I wish I had invested in myself. And the idea of legacy is about creating something bigger than you that lives on well beyond you. And so living into that legacy requires hope. It requires the idea of the possible and living in that realm. So thank you so much for sharing all of that with us today. I am, I will be thinking about this all day today, the words that you said, and, and I know our audience will too. And again, for the audience, if what Serena said resonated with you, by all means, reach out and connect with her. She's an amazing person to chat with, as you now know. Um, and again, just to, to be in her network, to be connected with her, to understand better what she does and how she can help maybe you or somebody in your life that, you know, it's always good to have that knowledge, um, cause it can never do us wrong. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Serena. I am so grateful and blessed to have met you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.